Good evening, LCM. Tonight is September 2nd of 2020. Look, we want to remind you of where we were on Sunday. Somebody say Sunday. Where we covered the story of Jehu. We looked at 2 Kings 9 and 10, but what we found out was there's some momentum that needs to be built in this house. Mm. A momentum that is, that is seen in Jehu's life. That we are, can be men of authority because yeah. we are men and women under authority. Can somebody say amen? amen. you got to have that attitude that says, fall in behind me. Because i got somewhere that I'm going. My God has spoken to me, and I've got to go after it with all that I have. Somebody say Jehu in this house. Jehu! On Monday night, we learned about Abijah, that we are to never have two equally valid opinions. Only one ordained God path that is our job to keep it, to stay on it, to never depart from it. See, when we're looking to please two different positions, instead of finding the singular path that God has put before us, we begin to pacify Everybody say the word pacify. Pacify. Oh, man. Like two, two different positions such as pacifying our wife and the church. Pacifying God's call and our friends. Pacifying the truth of God's word and how we feel about any particular subject. This is what pacification looks like. But when we seek after God's singular path, we begin to press in. Say the word press in. Press in. See, we're pressing in, we're no longer accepting alternate altars, alternate gods, alternate means. We press in to find out God's one way for our lives. In fact, the title to tonight's sermon is Press In. Everybody say, Press In. Let's all turn to Genesis chapter 32. We're going to press into what God has for us tonight. We're not going to have any duplicity in our thoughts. We're not going to have two methods, two means, two hearts, two opinions about anything in this house tonight. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 32, and we're going to say press in when you get there. Verse 1. Get it, AJ. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Man, sounds like uh, Jacob has been in some of our services lately. The very angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this, this is the camp of God. Man, so he named that place Mahanaim. Exactly what you would have named it, wouldn't you? Exactly. See, this man, Jacob, is standing there. He's seen angels. Angels are appearing before him. Somebody say, that's impressive. That's impressive. He's acknowledging that he's actually at the camp of God himself. Somebody say, that's incredible. That's incredible. And what happens is he names it Mahanaim. In case you don't know exactly what that word means, Mahanaim means two camps. Hmm. That's a problem. What is this? He is standing right where God is. He has angels visiting him. And what he's looking at, he has determined something that he was not supposed to determine from where he was. He is seeing God made manifest through his presence right in front of him. And he's saying, oh, I got it. I know what you're trying to say to me. You're trying to say that there's two camps here. There's God's camp and then there's my camp. That's the wrong answer. (laughs) That is a bad thing to say in this moment. And he's there with the angels. He's there with an understanding, but he's not going far enough in this. There's God's camp and there's my camp. See, instead of seeing God's camp and doing anything necessary to join in with God's camp, man, I could see it. It's right there. It's real close to me. Now I see this separation between the two. He saw himself separate from God's camp and had no desire to press in. No desire. He was satisfied with the fact that he saw it. He was satisfied with the fact that he felt it. But he was not pressing in to what God had for him here. Wow. At least he's the only person that we know about that can see something that God is doing and come to the entirely wrong conclusion, right? No. To be okay with a separate, with a place where you see two camps. Two altars, two opinions, two thoughts. And it's okay because we like that thought. Man, we love what God's doing in His camp. I'm just over here in my own camp. My goodness, 
We know. We've been praying today and we know that we have something for you. And it deals with us understanding that you can't stay in Mahanaim no matter what you call it. You cannot stay in two separate camps. Somebody say press in. Press in. Let's pick up in verse 3. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau into the land of Seir, the country of Edom. You see, having just seen angels and making the wrong decision, Jacob then sets out on a plan of his own. He experiences the encounter with God's presence. He meets with an angel and therefore begins to conclude how God's plan needs to fold out. Oh, it's not like any of us have ever had something like that. We experience the presence of God. We meet with him and then we determine and begin to tell God how his plan needs to carry out and proceed forward. Get ahead of him just a little bit. See, Jacob doesn't know what God wants at this point. There's no inquiry, no pressing into God to know exactly what the king of all heavens wants. He didn't ask for God's direction. He just picks up and launches out with his own plan. And we all know that doesn't necessarily end all that well. Anybody ever launched out on your own plan? Oh, yeah. Anybody saw God move and then just decided, man, I can not only name this, but I'm going to launch out and do what I think is right in this moment. Yeah, then we're talking to the right folks tonight. We're talking to the right group of people. Look at verse 4. He instructed them. Jacob instructed them saying, this is what you're supposed to say to my master, Esau. My master, Esau. Esau was not, in fact, Jacob's master. He's making sure that he develops a line of thought here, a line of speech. Making sure that he's trying to get his words that might be appealing and a, 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 a pleasing aroma to his brother. Yeah. Your servant Jacob, say to my master Esau, your servant Jacob says, man, if I show the right kind of humility with my words, surely this is part of God's plan. I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys. I have sheep and goats, men servants and maid servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord that I might find favor in your eyes. Church, there's a problem when we are so focused on the type of words that we're saying, especially when they don't actually match our heart or match what God has said. That's you setting yourself up in two different camps. That is a serious problem that we have because it's a, a, a duplicity in your own heart. When you're saying something, yeah. oh, pastor, we love you guys. Man, we're so glad to have, pastor, we love this church. As long as you allow us to stay calling it Mahanaim, where there's two separate camps. As long as we could say the right things to you, but have separation in our heart. And by the way, I'm going to tell you all the things that I have that you might be interested in. I have cattle, I have donkeys, I have sheep, I even have servants. I'm just letting you know. And I'm also sending this message to you, Esau. When the messengers, verse 6, returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he was coming to meet you with 400 men with him. How do you interpret the details that are before you? See, because if you're a man like Jacob right now and you have a two-camp kind of mentality, you're going to interpret them however you feel in that moment. This sounds... How many people think that this sounds like something intimidating? Esau coming with 400 men. Oh. What if it's 400 men who are really smiling and happy and bearing gifts? Does that change your thought about it? <laughs> See, you made an opinion that you didn't even know that the Word of God made. You're sitting there going, man, that sounds intimidating. Man, it was 20 years ago when they spoke. What are they going to be doing? God, this has to be a bad idea. Because he didn't know God's plan. He takes the information in the worst possible kind of way. Yeah. Elder Baj wants to meet with you after service. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you rejoice thinking, you know what? I've been struggling lately. Maybe Bosch has a word for me that's going to bring healing to my Come soul. Yeah. See, but you don't think that because you're of two opinions on the matter. What if he's got something and he would, oh my goodness, rebuke me for it. 
It is a kindness. If he rebukes you, it's like oil on your head. If he gives you a blessing, it's like a blessing on your head. You can't lose if Baj wants to meet with you. Except if you're in your own mind and you have a two-camp kind of mentality. Yep. See, you've got to learn how to press into what the Lord is saying to you. See, Jacob hasn't heard from the Lord. He didn't say, Lord, what does this mean? What do you want me to do with this information that I now have? Anybody ever ask the Lord for information and then forget to ask him what you're supposed to do with that information? Speak to me, Lord. Great, he spoke to me. Now I got it from here. Have no idea what to do with that. Here I am praying through the tabernacle. You gave me a scripture. I, I will now figure out how to use that as I should. (laughs) That's not the point. See, now that he hears that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men, he is overtaken with fear. See, when you haven't pressed in rightly to hear the singular path that God has. Somebody say singular. There is one right way to do what God has for you to do. There are not many paths. There are not even two paths. There are not two altars. There's not two camps. You have to understand that there is a singular way that God wants you to do what he's asking you to do. When you're trying to pacify between what you want to say and what you should be doing about how you look in front of other people and what God is speaking, when you're trying to play both ends, that nature doesn't even consider that the outcome the conversation, or what is actually coming your way might be the biggest blessing that you can imagine. Come on. And you start to brace against what God is actually trying to do in your life. Let's take a look at verse 7. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people. What? See, when you have that two-camp mentality, you are double-minded. You're unstable in everything that you do. That your desire is to pacify this camp and pacify that camp and not rely upon pressing into what God's singular position is. And it results in how much fear? Great fear. Not just a little bit of anxiety, Pastor, about what decision I need to make. You know and I know what your heart does whenever you're trying to pacify two camps. You are consumed with great fear and distress. And all it leads to is dividing your house into two different camps. Bringing division among the people. Let's continue to read on. Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups. The flocks and herds and camels as well. Every possession that they had was then going to experience division. And based out of just great fear and distress. Do you see how his heart, therefore how our hearts get in the position of being in great fear and distress? When we haven't pressed in to see what God's singular position actually is. But instead we're, we're passing out pacifiers. Little passies. Put this in this one's mouth. Put this one in that one's mouth. Everybody be quiet and be happy. But when we begin to press into God's singular will, it doesn't matter how loud the other camp cries because we know we are confidently standing in the camp that God has given us. See, Jacob is as guilty as Esau. He's been a trickster. He was deceitful against his brother. But Jacob is as double-minded as a man could ever be here. So it just makes sense that he divided the people. What that looks like is, you know what, Pastor, I, I really can't go and confront this brother about his sin because I know I have sin too. I can't confront him about his fear that I so clearly see because I'm fearful about the same thing too. In fact, I'm going to tell him, brother, I, I am absolutely uh, unaware of your fear. I had that fear too. Let's be fearful together. That's pacifying two camps. There's no inquiry. There's no pressing in of what did God say in order to bring about that. See, our, our own personal consolation of our sin then allows sin in other people to grow. And that only results in division between what place that God told you to be and everywhere else. See, Jacob's propensity to pacify the two camps of Esau, or because of Esau and himself, caused him to have two camps within him. 
That he was divided in his own convictions, divided in his own thoughts, divided in his own direction. So he makes his life match what those two camps look like. Watch, listen to verse 8. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. That's a, that's a very wise plan. That's logical. I'm going to take my family. I'm going to put my oldest two girls over there in that house. I'm going to be over here with my other two girls. And no matter which one they attack, I still got two girls left. Well, that works out real good if you're the two that survive. See, he's stating if Esau comes and attacks, there's no indication that this is actually going to happen. Remember what Pastor Wade just said? 400 men are now approaching where you camp. And based on where you stand, either in two camps or one, will determine how you anticipate their arrival. See, if he has the attitude that says, "Mm, I'm of these two camps. I'm willing to sacrifice half of my family, half of my possessions. You know what? Just as long as I escape, it doesn't matter what happens to them. I'm just really worried all about me. This is really about the possession of my own life. See, the real consequence of attempting to pacify two camps is that you're really choosing one over the other. It's not prudent. I'm doing well, but you know what? My wife isn't so much, and that's kind of up to her. I'm doing right well with Jesus, but my husband, he, he's kind of on his own. See, what God is getting us to do is to press in to know what his singular position is, his singular will, so that we're not of a divided heart and we're not of divided camps. Church, it is a serious problem when you're trying to pacify two different lines of thinking, two different camps. That you think something is okay for you, but not someone else in your family. You've divided your camp. When, when, when you're uncomfortable with this member of your family doing it, but you're, you're just happy to do it, you've divided your camp. You're actually setting yourself up for loss of what God has given to you. This idea that you can have a different standard within your own home, within your own church, within your own thoughts. You cannot pacify both. You're putting both in danger. The answer is to press in and get the actual voice of the Lord. To press into His presence and hear what He has to say. Look at what Jacob finally does in verse 9. Then Jacob prayed. Is that a good... Finally. Finally He's praying. Finally, after He's already decided, He's named camps. He's set out with His own agenda. He's become deathly afraid, greatly afraid and distressed. He's already sent out emissaries to say what he wants them to say. He's already received back words. And now, somebody say now. Now. Now it's time to pray. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. Man, if this prayer, this is a good start to a prayer. Yeah, it is. This is the first instance where Jacob is actually praying to the Lord. He's already formed his plan. Let's see how he continues on and begins and continues his prayer rather in verse 10. I am unworthy of all the kindness. There's a problem when we start to pray and we've already enacted an entire course that we have going on. Then we start to pray. And we actually get to it. We have, we have one camp here in verse 9. Lord, I remember, you told me to do something, and I'm going to do it. And then verse 10, he shows you another aspect of his own heart. Listen to this. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness that you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Wait a minute. But, but pastor, he's praying. Isn't that make everything else after this good? No. 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 He starts off with honoring God. And then what does he immediately do? He focuses on his feelings of unworthiness. Well, at least that doesn't relate to any of us in this room. 
I'm unworthy. Yeah, that's what's caused when you stand in two camps. When you're recognizing two places instead of a singular answer from the Lord. You're standing in two places and you start to feel unworthy. Who am I to say something to a brother? Who am I to say something to my wife? Who am I to do these things? Why? Because I failed in the past. Because, because I feel unworthy about this. Because I am ruled by great fear and distress. I have something else going on and it is causing me to feel unworthy. This is the true issue that Jacob has right here. His own feelings of unworthiness are at the core of why he's created two camps. Yeah. <laughs> I really love this church. I love you, Lord. You've called me. I didn't have anything when we started. But now I'm going to tell you why I made two camps, Lord. It's because I feel unworthy. I don't feel like I can achieve what's being put before me. I don't feel like I can become what I see before me. So I'm just going to create two camps so I can stay right here. I can be at Mahanaim and have two camps. One of the Lord and one of me separated from it. Who am I to hold Esau accountable to a singular standard? A singular path, I'm sure Jacob was wondering. I've had problems. I too am afraid of correction. Surely this can't be working out right. Church, this is what we're saying as far as pacifying these two thoughts, these two natures that you have in your mind. They're duplicitous in everything that you do. You have to find, you have to press in and get God's presence to have a singular answer. There is only one way that God intends for you to carry out His will. There's one answer that He has for the problem that you have right in front of you. There's only one solution. There's only one path. There's not a lot of paths for this. There's not even two paths for this. There is a singular pathway for every step that you're supposed to take. After all the things that Jacob had experienced with God, he failed to press into God where he would have found God's singular path. He would have found the worthiness that he was looking for. He could have found what God actually had said to him and empowered him to be able to do. See, this is the benefit of pressing in. Let's continue on in verse 11. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. What a bold man of God, right? See, he hadn't heard what God had to really say. He doesn't even know if Esau's angry. He just sent messengers back and forth. But he is determined to be afraid, already predicting the outcome and not having pressed in to search God and God's singular position that he wanted him to have. We continue on in verse 12. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. See, the real fear that we see in Jacob and that we see in us is the fear of ourself. That we are divided into two camps of thought. We haven't inquired, pressed in to God's presence to see where he stands. And that causes a duplicitous and double-minded nature about us. And we begin to second-guess the promises that God has already made. But I want you to notice something here. Do you see that Jacob is recounting what God has said? And he's adding his fear and duplicitous mind on top of it. See, when, when we do that, when I do that, I'm crediting myself with what seems to be a righteous and holy prayer before God. But what actually comes out of my heart is, Lord, I don't trust you. I don't trust the promises that you made. I have already determined what the outcome is and that you're not going to come through for me. That you're not going to fulfill your promises for me. When he says, but you said, Lord... He's saying, how is what I'm seeing now part of what you said? See, that fear comes in. It divides and makes two camps. It pacifies both camps. It removes his ability to see exactly how God's going to work in this situation. You know, the number of years that I've been in Jesus and I've seen God come through supernaturally for me again and again and again. And I've watched him do the same for you. 
I watched my mezuzah take place in front of me over and over. And yet for some reason, which I do know now, having two camps within me, it causes me to look at my current situation and say, this is different, God. This is completely different than what you already told me. It's like the DNA that you made me out of somehow morphed and it changed. No, the only thing that changed is my constitution and confidence in the singular thing that God has already said. And that is the very solution that puts to death the pacification that results in a divided heart and a divided mind. See, when you're of double mind, when you're of two camps and two paths, you're now trying to pacify your fear of being attacked while espousing a faith-filled speech based on what God has already said. See, even your speech is of two camps. But what God wants us to do is to press into Him. He wants us to rise up in our Holy Ghost vigor and seek His face because He has a solution that gets rid of our fear. It gets rid of our distress. It gets rid of what has caused two camps and it sets a precedent for what God's singular camp is. That's where I want to camp. Is that where you want to camp? You want to destroy double-mindedness. You want to destroy fear. Then we're going to press in to what God has already said and is faithful to remind us of. This is what God is helping us to be able to accomplish tonight. As we're talking about this, you guys are kind of quiet. Hopefully it's that you're thinking and this is settling in in your spirits. How many times that we've had two camps in our own emotions, two camps in our own thoughts, where God has come through again and again and again and again for us without fail. He's never let us down. He's never let us down, not even one time. And yet we're afraid that this, this is the time that we're going to die. This, this is the time that we won't have what we need because of his faithfulness. This, this is the time. This is the situation. No. We're learning how to press in tonight. Somebody say press in. Press in. So that we do not have these two camps, but we find out what God's will is. We get close to Him, and we know exactly what He wants to do, what He wants us to do, and what He wants to do in us. Let's look at verse 17. He instructed the one in the lead. So now we've sent more. (laughs) At first we sent the emissaries. Now we're actually sending out groups in front of Him as the time is approaching for Him to meet Esau. When my brother Esau meets you and asks, to whom do you belong and where do you go? And who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you are to say. Anybody ever practiced what you were going to say before you had a conversation? Uh, Unfortunately, I resemble that remark. See, the word of God tells us not to do that. Not to even worry about what you're going to say in front of kings or judges. At that time, His Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Maybe we would do better if we kept rehearsing what we were about to say. It's two camps. It's what you want to appear to be. And what you really are on the inside. Come on now. Anybody ever prayed a more eloquent prayer out loud in front of the church than you would inside your own home? Why do you do that? Two camps. Two camps. Why do you say something to someone and feel something different? Because you're in two camps. Mm. Why do you say that you're trusting in the Lord, but you're riddled with fear? Two camps. See, we have an answer for you tonight. Somebody say, thank God there's an answer. Thank God there's an answer. The answer is to press in and get the singular direction that God has for you. He is not ambiguous. He is not going to say something and change his mind. He is steadfast. He is sure. He can be counted on for everything that he says. And I am learning in my own prayer time that I am nothing like that. And I need him to change me into that. It makes me want to press in and be dependent upon him. I need him. I need him more now than I've ever needed him in my life. That's one camp. I've got to have him to tell me, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do next. Pastor, what should we do about this? I don't know until he tells me. Can we meet? I don't know until he tells me. 
I've got to be of one camp because you don't need me to be in two camps. You don't need Pastor Matt to... We can't afford to be in two camps because it's going to divide us. It's going to kill us. It's not going to let us produce what God wants. I want to be of one camp. I'm going to press in. Is anybody in this house going to come with me? Then you're to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau. And he is coming behind us. Jacob is trying to ease the confrontation. He's trying to soften the blow by sending something nice ahead of us. He's trying to pacify an anticipated confrontation. Let's go back to that incredible godly meeting with Baj after service that you need to have. You, you might even hug him just a little bit tighter. You might even have a word for him during the service. You might even pray for him. You know, I've been thinking about you all day. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Aren't you just sending gifts in front of me? That's never happened. See, Jacob has formulated a plan and now is trying to engender grace from, from Esau. What do you send out in front of you to pacify the two camps? Mm. Are you smooth with your words? Come on. Just silky smooth and you can say it just the right way that seems to lighten the heart. Are you generous with your, with your time or your resources? I just like to give, Pastor. Oh, Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that, that incredible dinner. I wonder if you're just trying to give a gift because you're in two camps. Verse 19. He also instructed the second, the third, and all the others who followed the herds. Well, at least Jacob is being consistent in his duplicity. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, make sure. Come on now, parents. You know where I'm coming. Make sure that you say it this way. If someone asks you this, look at them in the eyes and say it this way. Your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts. I am sending on ahead. Later, when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. Fear. Two camps. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. I need everybody to say the same thing. we got to get our whole family agreeing on this story. This is what happened, everyone. Let's rehearse it. Sure, you hadn't done it. Sure. Then what happened again, hon? Tell me the story again. One more time. Yeah, okay. See, these thoughts of pacifying someone else, something else, is just showing that you're living in two camps. The gifts are going to go ahead and go on ahead, but me, I'm going to stay here. See, that's part of the problem, isn't it? I'm going to go ahead and send something to pacify, but me, I'm staying in a different place. I'm going to stay somewhere else in my own heart. I'm going to send you gifts to make you think that it's only one camp, but me, I'm staying separated from that. I'm staying just a little bit off center because, again, I'm in a different camp, so I'm just going to stay over here and send something forward. Not in this house, not anymore. We know how we're going to defeat this tonight. We know how we're going to press in and get to a singular camp in every thought that we have. My God, I'm talking about our inner thoughts, people. I'm talking about things that you haven't even told your spouses about, but you've been thinking for a long, long time. And God is good enough. Somebody say, God is good. He is good enough to show us where we're sitting in two camps instead of finding the singular one camp that God has for us to be in. Let's take a look at verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. You know what the hope that we begin to see in this passage is? That God is faithful. In the midst of us having two camps, God is a faithful God to bring us to a point where we are isolated and He can get our attention. And we actually have to wrestle with our current condition before God. Because the the Father that we have wants to bring about change inside of us. 
Now, let's just reflect for a moment before we, we go further. Had Jacob had a previous experience with God? He'd had a relationship with God. And yet, there was still the issue of two camps within him. That he was pacifying these two camps. And because of that relationship that he did have with God, God brought him to a point where he actually had to wrestle with the condition where he was at. See, this isn't just about somebody who's lost that has two camps within them. This is about somebody who is in relationship with God that has two camps within them. That's you. That's me. And because of that relationship, the Father is faithful to confront our condition and make us wrestle with it. See, in this position of being left alone, in Jacob there was no more pacifying. There was no one to appease. There was no fear of, I need to run over and greet Esau. I need to make sure this camp is doing this and this camp's doing that. It's just him and God. It's, yeah, it's time to wrestle. Are you ready to rumble? I can hear going on in the background of this scene. That it's time to be confronted with your condition. See, being in a state of being finally alone, he was still divided into two camps, but it wasn't going to stay that way. See, what we're about to enter into is a serious encounter with God. Oh, what begins to happen when you press in? You begin to have a serious encounter with God. You begin to see that the presence of the two camps are there, that your heart and mind are divided. And now it's time to change. Oh, man, what we are seeking for inside of your hearts, inside of your mind, is that you have a serious collision encounter, wrestling with God as you press in. But it first takes the ability to recognize that you have two camps working within you. Verse 24 says this again, or says this. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. See, Jacob had been so prone to pacify that God had to engage him in this wrestling match, and it required for him to learn how to press in and seek God's face so that he could know God's will. And if this can happen for Jacob, it can happen for us. That we can know what God's singular will is when we begin to press into his presence. His will for this situation is the same for you as it was for Jacob. For there to be a revelation of God's singular will so that you can begin to find confidence to begin to camp on it. It's time to wrestle, y'all. There's some things in our character that we actually have to wrestle. The Lord wants to wrestle it away from us that these things be worked out in us. If you're going to wait for it to just get better by itself, it's not going to happen. And that's part of your two camp mentality. See, Jacob is here and he's engaged with an angel. He's engaged with what this verse says, a man that was wrestling with him. It takes some intensity. It takes you pressing in for something in your character to be able to change. Eric mentioned it right before service. Has anybody ever prayed and felt like your prayers weren't getting above the the ceiling of the room you were in? Anybody felt that way today? Yes. Well, your feelings are a liar. You know what the answer to that is? Press in. You go after it more. Lord, there's something about this. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to keep going. And this is exactly what Jacob does in verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. Apparently I got somewhere else to be. But Jacob replied, hey, I've learned how to press in in this evening. In one encounter with the Lord, he is learning how to press in and say, I won't let you go until you do something in me. I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you let me know what I'm supposed to be doing. From pacifying to pressing in. He had to have his walk changed. Come on, there's some people in here who need their walk changed tonight. you got to learn. It's better that you walk with a limp and understand how to walk in a singular camp than to walk with your two good steps. Like Samson, who saw better when his eyes were gone. Like eunuchs, who were more manly when their was gone. Like Jacob, who had a better walk after his hip was dislocated than he ever had before. You're going to have to press in, church. Yeah. 
you're going to actually have to press in. There's no easy way around this moving from two camps and pressing in and finding the singular camp that God has. See, when Jacob did that, it changed everything about the way he walked. Look at verse 27. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. What's being asked of him is, what is your Hashem? What is your character? What is your reputation? What is your body of work? And it had to come to a singular answer. That not only was his walk being changed, but his character, his reputation, and his body of work was about to be changed. Verse 28, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Come on. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. I am now putting you in the position of being in one camp. The duplicitous nature, the double-mindedness, the two camps, the means of pacification is gone. Because you wrestled with God and with man and you overcame. Oh, what is it like when God hymns us in? He puts us in a position where we have to wrestle with our condition. We struggle with God and men, and then we are changed. Oh, man, those moments when we look up, even now, and we say, Lord, change me. I'm wrestling with this inside of me. I don't want there to be two camps inside of me. I want there to be one camp. And I'm pressing into your presence because I need your singular point of reference of where I need a camp. And I know that when I'm there, you'll change my character. You'll change my reputation. You'll change my body of work. But if you stay in two camps, your character, reputation, and body of work will constantly be in a place that does not represent God. Because there's only one singular point that His name dwells. And that's where I want my name to dwell too. Come on, somebody say overcome. Overcome. He's going to help you to overcome tonight. You're going to have an opportunity to learn how to press in, to learn how to wrestle with God and with man and win. Why? Because you're going to learn to press in. We just have a few more minutes tonight together, and we want to drive this point home by looking at Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. Acts 20, 22. You're going to overcome. You're going to have the opportunity to have a different name. This is not just before you got saved and after you got saved. My goodness, I'm getting saved every day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Amen. The more that I'm praying, the more that I'm seeking His yes. face, the more that I'm pressing in, I'm going, my goodness, I've been in two camps for a long time. I've had a genuine experience with the Lord, but I need another one now. I need another one today. Lord, show me how to press in. I've been okay with having two camps, but you're not. I want one camp. I want to press in. Lord, change my name. Change my character. Change my reputation. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, (laughs) compelled by the one camp that God has given me, compelled by pressing in and hearing from the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Wow. When you're in one camp, you don't need to have every detail spelled out for you before you start moving. You don't need to have the entire path done for you before you take the first little baby step. When you have pressed in out of a singular camp, have had your name changed, you begin to move, not even sure what's going to happen, but I know what he said to me. I know where I must be, and I will be nowhere else. Verse 23, I only know that in every city... (laughs) here's the only thing that he did know. Every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Only difficulty. Only hardships. But because it's in God's camp, I know exactly where I'm going. I know that I'm going to do exactly what he said. I'm going to press in and keep pressing in. I will wrestle and wrestle and wrestle until God does something in me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. You remember Jacob feeling worthless? You remember that feeling that Jacob had? Paul says, yeah, I got that too, but it's for a different reason. That's right. It's because I'm only in one camp and my life doesn't even matter to me. I'm not worried about feeling worthless. I'm saying my life is already worthless to me. 
I'm not trying to preserve it. I'm not in two camps. I am in a single camp, and I love it here. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Oh my God, if we can have some people who understand what one camp is like, it doesn't matter. You can anticipate, you can guess, you can know that there are going to be hardships, but that's exactly where you get to wrestle. That's exactly where you get to know that you are standing in his camp. And the only thing that matters is accomplishing what he has told you. The only thing that matters is accomplishing what he's put before you. Mm. It's an amazing thought. He didn't even know what it was awaiting him, except for difficulty. Yeah. You may not know what awaits you. I can assure you there's going to be plenty of days of difficulty. And your answer is not to stay in two camps. That will only divide and destroy you. Being in a singular camp is what you need. Amen. My life doesn't matter. My feelings, they don't matter. My understanding, it doesn't matter. The only thing, the singular camp that matters at all is to do what God put before me to do. Not just in speech, but living in a singular camp that might glorify God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll look at verse 8. Say press in whenever you're there. I want to share a truth with you. The truth is, or a truth is, the presence of difficulty does not determine what camp I stand in. Amen. Because I stand in the singular camp that God told me, there is no price too high to pay. Difficulty does not determine the camp that I stand in. Second Corinthians 12 verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My singular position that I told you to stand is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, when we are running to another camp, we're really trying to run away from our own weakness. That position of being dependent and in need of God's power. But that is the very position that God wants us to be in. He goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Do you want Christ's power to rest upon you? Then press in and do not let difficulty determine what camp you stand in. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, if you want resurrection power, you got to step up to the plate of dying. Dying to your desire for comfort and stand on the singular position that God has all already given you. When we have one camp, it brings about resurrection power not just for us, but for those that are around us. They find the inspiration to press into God's presence and find that same position to stand in that you are. Let's close our time tonight with Genesis chapter 32. We're going to go back there and catch just another few gems before we close. Come on, say one camp when you get there. Most people, most Christians go their whole life living in two camps. At least two. God loves you. He his favor upon you by saying two camps is not acceptable in this house. It's not acceptable for any man or any woman. Not in any family, not any husband, not any wife. It is not acceptable for us to stay in two camps. We have to be in one camp. That's where his power is. That's where we can delight in weakness. Look at Genesis 32, verse 30. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. 
How many times has God showed us His presence in this house? How many words have you received? How many encouragements have you garnered from friends and family members here? See, what we have to do is learn how to press in and we can say like Jacob, I saw God face to face. I'm still here because I found out how to be in one camp. I was seeking His face. I was seeking His presence. I was pressing in my life worth nothing. My weakness is celebrated because it only mattered that I saw His face and He spoke to me His will. The sun rose above him as he passed this place. And he was limping because of his hip. Oh God, that you would help us to limp tonight. Amen. God, that you would help us. That you would help us to get out of every two camp mentality that we have and actually press in and find the one camp, the one place, the one desire, the one word that God is speaking to you that you might feel his power, that you might see his face and be able to carry out what you have. Stand to your feet with us tonight. Church, tonight. Tonight we make the call. Call to press into one camp. As we open these altars, now is it time to come seek the face of God. To let your nature of two camps be crucified so that you can stand in one camp, unified with God and dead to your sinful nature. Mighty God, we lift up our lives to you right now. And we say we ask for your help. We seek your face. We press in to your presence that we may know what your singular position is, your one camp that we are to dwell in. Let this two-camp mentality die here at the altar as we lay our lives and the ownership of it at your feet. That you are the only one who has the right, Lord, for our lives, the direction, and the, the lordship. Lord, we relinquish it back to you. And may your life come and fill us. Amen.